You're listening to The Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav. We talk casually yet poignantly about the most relevant topics in teaching today. So come on and chat with us because we love to engage in great conversation. Welcome to episode 61 of the Staff Room Podcast. Today's topic, can we elevate our integrated arts with limited access to technology? It's going to be a fantastic conversation and we are super excited to get into it. However, we have to take care of some introductions first. My name is Pav and I make up exactly, yes, exactly half of the Staff Room podcast and I am sitting next to the other 50%, but I'm not going to introduce him because he usually introduces himself. I don't got friends. I got Staff Room podcast. <laughs> Oh, just waiting for you, Pav. Just waiting for you oh, to tell me how brilliant just, that was. But you know, time is ticking, and we don't got time to wait. Time is ticking. That was clever. I like that. I like, I like your, uh, you know, your added use of the the pads on the Roadcaster Pro. And the amount of money we spent on this thing, we better push a few buttons. You know, I did a survey today on uh, on the Roadcaster Pro that they had sent us, and and it was like on the functionality. It's like how many of these things do you use? And I was like, oh, the Roadcaster can do that. Oh, the Roadcaster can do that. And in the end, in the comment section, I wrote, we don't do most of the things that the Roadcaster can do so we don't need to add anything else to it it was feedback it was good feedback we're you know i want to call us newbies but we're really not newbies when you start to tally how many recordings and live recordings we've done so no i guess it's like we can't keep calling ourselves the new kids on the block no but at the same time you know it, it lends itself to our topic today um whereas we've got this abundance of technology and we're not using it to its fullest potential today's topic is a little bit of the opposite, you know, we have limited access. It's it's far greater than it has been in the past, but it's not every single thing that we need, and we're not able to spend tons of money on uh, on the the software, the applications, and all of that. Um, so, how do we make the most of it? How do we make the most of the creativity in our spaces and the arts program that we have in our spaces, knowing that it is in fact limited? So let's uh, let's talk a bit about how we got here. Mm-hmm. I, I have a story. I love stories. Can't wait. All right, kids, get around the fireside. <laughs> um, you and I both engaged in what we thought was a pretty neat activity this week. But mm-hmm. when you're engaged in the activity, you don't always know how impactful it's going to be to other people. Because one, you're not really looking to other people uh, to give you that gauge, that validation, or to sort of uh, measure your level of impact. And so we did a really creative photography Remembrance Day assignment. I wouldn't call it an assignment, task for our Remembrance Day assembly this week. And it was great and it was powerful and it went really well. And I was really proud of 
the level of engagement from my students and I was really excited about the work they had done. And so we went about and they did these great photos and they had done this fantastic work. And so I strung it together, put a little bit of music and, and played it in during the Remembrance Day. But it's Remembrance Day. It's not about centering yourself and thinking it's about your presentation. It's just part of the overall assembly, which had been great. And, you know, no comments came, no no questions, statements about it, and nor should they. It's Remembrance Day. It's not about that. But the next day, I had a couple of teachers come and say, what, how, how did you do this? Um, what did what did you do? What, what's going on here? And then we had the principal stroll by, and the principal said, can um, you, uh, you take my picture? And the student, it was one of the students, she went to one of the students, said, that was, that was amazing, the work you did, can, can you, can you do that for me? And I said, this is when you know you've, you've hit the mark, when the work you've done has resonated with people. And so the student who was with me today saying, Mr. Janey, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't know where I'm going to, uh, she does, she, the principal's not sure what type of picture she wants. So it was just a great moment where the work we had done turned into, whoa, okay, this is, this is valuable. And I think, Pav, if we flip the scenario, you've got a very similar story when you did this task and you don't necessarily realize the impactful, uh, impactfulness of it until someone from afar sort of says, whoa, stop, stop this. Yeah, indeed, absolutely. And it actually started, uh, you know, we, we sort of, uh, as you were developing this task, you were kind of talking it through with me and, you know, telling me about the double exposure thing that you were going to do. And I thought that was really cool. Like, I'd love to be able to do something with that. But um, I don't know if it's something, uh, you know, my, my teaching environment is a little bit different than what you've got. I've got uh, twice the size of your class. So my class is pretty large. Um, and there are three adults in the room in the, in the morning, you know, every single day. So it's, uh, it's when it comes to co-teaching scenarios, this is, this is the maximum, you know, we, we have to really balance our, our day and we're teaching core subjects in the morning and we want to maximize being able to teach those subjects. And, uh, when you have a co-teacher that you've just met and, uh, you're still kind of building your relationship with the co-teacher, you don't want to, you know, toss these big projects and sometimes they can be overwhelming projects on them and say, this is what we're doing. It's very much like you got to, you really do have have to team teach. Um, and she actually came across your process picture on Twitter and, and she commented on your picture saying, this would be really neat to try. And she, she tagged me in that post. And I, I'm, I'm sure she knows that you and I are connected by this point. You know, she follows us on Twitter, but, uh, but I immediately chimed in and I said, you want to try this? Be still my heart. I was just so excited. You know, I thought this is, this is like the invitation that I've been waiting for to do something fun and uh, exciting like this. And, uh, and so we threw it together in, in two days ourselves. We just, we, we spent one full day on this project and similar to you, the principal strolled by just to tell one of the teachers something while we were doing our, our pictures. And we set up our little makeshift studio in the gym. And she was like, what's going on? And we said, well, we're doing this double exposure project. And the kids were like, miss, miss, you got to stand in front of the, 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 the screen and get your picture taken too. And she was just like, really? Like, you want me to do this as well? And the kids were like, you got it, you got it, you have to do this. This is so cool. 
And so um, she she got her picture taken, and we did the we did the whole thing, the same as you, and we presented it for the uh, Remembrance Day assembly. And the kids were so proud of themselves, and they know that you know this is a very solemn affair, and and you don't applaud at uh, the Remembrance Day ceremony, and. Uh, and so they were, you know, they were sort of silently applauding after their part, after their part came on because they wanted to acknowledge the hard work that they put into this, um, and, and demonstrated, um, and they had the same experience, you know, people were approaching the class and saying, wow, this thing that you guys did was amazing. Can you, can you please teach us how you did that? And kids were excited to talk about it. They're excited to say what they did and the pictures that they chose and how it represented their, their, uh, their country of origin. And, um, not to say that they were proud about the reasons for why, you know, why those pictures were being represented in their statements, but, they they felt that uh, connection to themselves. They saw themselves. They saw their story being represented. And that's why I think it was so important and so meaningful to them. So these two little stories set us up for why we decided that this is what we're going to talk about this week, because we had these two really impactful moments. And we sort of talked to ourselves, how, we, how, how do we present this episode? What are we talking about? And we thought about our process and we realized this is really the integration of arts using very minimal supplies, sort of makeshift, sort of figuring it out yourself without a robust budget, without robust uh, spaces to facilitate and to be able to create something that is truly, truly magnificent. And for our students, it's a... It won't be a once-in-a-lifetime skill because they'll do it again, but it was a first touch for them to really embark on something so creative, uh, such a new set of skills, and to come up with something that at the beginning of the unit, when I gave the demo model, it's like, we can't do that, Mr. Cheney. Like, what do you mean we're going to make this double exposure photo with a picture embedded in our sort of silhouette, and it's, and it's going to be reflective of our culture and tell our story? This, this is something you see in museums, Mr. Cheney. What are you talking about? And so we just decided we got to talk about this. This episode is really about how do we create this really great, um, and in our particular case, we're going to talk about this double exposure photo that really connects the arts, connects it back to our core curriculum, that connects back to SEL, connects back to culturally responsive teaching because it was a venue for students to share their story, and then also to do it with bare bone minimum that we can facilitate and make this on our own. So what we ended up doing was we made this double exposure photo, which is basically a picture of a student on a uh, white background with a silhouette, but it's not quite a silhouette of them, but it's a, a photo of them that we then take and we find another photo and we superimpose it on them. It's a double exposure and it sort of, it fits within their body. So it's a picture of them on a white screen, white background, but then the other picture is just intertwined within their picture and you're sort of you can see them in the picture and then you can see the other picture and it's called a double exposure and the relevancy behind it was just phenomenal and so when we took this artistic photography skill art skill and then connected it to our curriculum we really did create something truly fantastic we took the arts we took a photography skill we embedded it in sort of our core curriculum or cross curriculum i don't want to say core curriculum because there's there's nothing non-core about arts and photography but we embedded it across curricular and just made these magnificent results that engaged our students and gave our students a skill set and a practice 
that they had never thought they were going to be able to accomplish before the unit. And it's so satisfying as a teacher when you can walk away from a unit and say, you, you've got something that when we started, we all, we all had this productive struggle. Like, are we going to do it? Oh, yes, we've done it. Yeah, and, and something that I really wanted to highlight and really shine through uh, with, with my class and, and within the rest of my school is that culturally relevant piece. Um, I just want to highlight that a little bit because you and I both teach in a very diverse community, and I think that you had posted or you had mentioned that there were, uh, you know, in a class of 13 students, you've got nine different nationalities that are being represented in your class. And I had somewhere about the same, you know, like in my, with my class of 20, I have 25, 26 students, I had so many different nationalities that were being represented and across the entire world. And so it was, um, it was very impactful, not only to see that piece, but also to hear the stories because uh, part of the task was then to for the students to connect their own pictures that they had chosen to superimpose on top of their own profile picture. Um, they had to connect it to themselves. You know, the picture that you chose in the back, um, how is that relevant to you as a person? And so there were lots of stories about war. There were lots of stories about why it was unsafe for the students and their families to continue living where they were living. And uh, many of them had actually opened up and, st and stated that their families had to flee from wherever they were uh, to come to Canada because their families needed needed a safer place to be uh, their homes were not safe uh, they were not safe as people in the countries where they were from and they needed to flee and come to Canada where it was safer and and hearing these stories and seeing these stories being presented on the screen um, really affected a lot of teachers and the following day we actually had a, a staff meeting and uh, this this actually came about you know where the things that we are doing in our school uh, the events that are taking place whether it is Remembrance Day whether we are celebrating uh, the volley which is this week as well whether we are you know celebrating um, holidays around the winter time we need to make sure that not only our students and their stories being represented and told, but that the students are also aware of the other stories that, that are not centered solely around themselves and the dominant culture, but also what else exists that we may not know about. And um, part, of, part of that activity actually opened up the conversation this morning where, you know, um, some of the students were asking, uh, there's, there's quite a few teachers missing today. And I said, yeah, well, there's a lot of teachers that are celebrating Diwali. And uh, so they, they've taken the day off to celebrate. And they said, well, why didn't you take the day off? And I said, good question. Um, but, uh, but, but... I'll be back in a moment. That's right. Like tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be back, actually. Um, but then we talked about the volley and, you know, there, there were not actually any students in the class that celebrate the volley at home. Um, and so we were able to bring that into the classroom space and they were actually curious to know more. And, and I felt a little bit like, oh, well, this is great. 
you know, they may never have asked this. They're in grade six and seven, and possibly they've never had a student in their class that has celebrated the volley before, and, and now they're interested to know. So we've opened up the conversation for our students, and we've made it a safe space for them to ask questions about other cultures uh, and, and nationalities, and I think that that's such a key step forward where, you know, they may not have ever concerned themselves with that because nobody in the class celebrates it. So why would we want to talk about it? But now they were. And so that was a real aha moment for me. You're absolutely right that in this particular task, we opened up students to share their stories. But in the as we become more and more responsive to making sure students' stories are highlighted, students become more and more aware not only to to be to have their own story honored, but to listen and pay attention, observe and honor other students. We know we've had this talk with our class about that allyship is that you want to be a champion of, of, of your causes, but the greatest way to champion your cause and to show the the authenticity in which you um, validate or, 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 or sort of stay connected to your cause is really when you show interest and show commitment to other people's causes as well. And the same is, is, is resonates with students' stories. When you really want your story to sort of, when you want to, your, your classmates to appreciate your story, you, you need to show the same appreciation for theirs. And you're right, this task really opened the door to really appreciate other people's stories because students were sharing such emotional stories about their identity through this picture they had selected to be part of their double exposure. So let's get back to this particular event. Um, so we created these double exposure photos and we set it up physically by taking some chart paper and flipping it over to get the, the white blank side because we want that to make that silhouette. And we just found a space in the wall and I taped it up on a wall in a very small section. Then I made sure that I had proper lighting and I didn't need any special lights. I just made sure the blinds were down. I made sure the classroom lights were on so the lighting around them was equal. I took whatever device we had. So I have some old iPads. I had my phone. Students had their phone, which were either iPhones or Androids. And then we lined it up and we took these photos where they were in a silhouette position or a profile position. And we took this picture. And then we needed one basic editing within the phone or within the device was which that exposure just to brighten it up because the, the white paper around, because it's not a professional grade and it's not professional lighting, it will have some texture, it will have some tone and we wanted to get rid of that. So we use a little bit of exposure to whiten everything up so that the picture of the student stands out and it just sort of blurs as a white background in behind that gives us that beautiful canvas then to superimpose the picture just within their silhouette and so once we take that picture and then we we did that one editing step within the phone we're then able to bring it into an app and we have this great free app that that is available on android it's available on iphone and as pav discovered also available it is a free download on uh, on Chromebooks. And so we were able to, it's not an extension. It is actually uh, some software that needs to be downloaded to your computer, to the Chromebook. But um, but it was free and all of the students were able to download it, which means it's, it's approved by our district, which likely means it's approved by most districts. Um, something that we can check up on with our IT departments. But uh, we were very pleased to find that it was available on our Chromebooks. Um, and since my class, 
classes one-to-one with Chromebooks that worked out really well for us. And of course, this app is called Snap Seed, like a and a seed that you plant in the ground. I didn't even need a sound effect on the roadcaster for that. And so we downloaded this app, and then I did have a YouTube video queued up, but I had also practiced the skill set uh, myself, and I demoed one on the board, and we watched the video, and then we just played around uh, with this idea of the double exposure, which, of course, we then take the photo, and we drop it into Snapseed. We then... Um, there's a couple of ways to do it, but the basic ways to do is to, f- to go on details and sort of enrich your details. So all the little sort of like, so on my example, I had my beard and then my beard just become more pronounced. So all the little sort of ripples in your skin, your facial hair, everything becomes a little bit more pronounced. We then went into, and that was the details function. I then went into the black and white function and just turned the, the picture into black and white. And then I went and I found um, my, my, my source picture. So for me, I had a picture of my grandparents from before the war. And for our students, this was sort of the part for them to tell their story was to explore, research, find a story that honored what Remembrance Day and what, uh, war was impactful for you, your families, your culture. And this is where they really did some deep research and found pictures with relevance and they had a story and, um, were able to find something of real relevance, uh, in, impactful to them and then we took the uh, picture and then we double exposure and it comes over top completely so it's actually over top the entire picture but we didn't want that per se we just want the picture to show in their silhouette and so we push save and then you go up into the edit bar and then you can go edit and it edits what stage you're at and you want to edit the double exposure and then up when you push the edit button it pops with a little uh, brush because now you can just do the double exposure where you want and you take the brush and it doesn't need to be precise detail I don't need to zoom right in you can but you can just do it with your finger and just exposure within the silhouette of your body and save it and then with a little bit of fine-tuning, a little bit of contrast, you then have this wonderful picture with the student, and the picture is just double exposed in it, and it, and it has this, you can see them through the picture, but then you can see their, their, the picture they chose through it, and it's so rich, and it's so powerful. Pal, I see you waving at me like, you're ready to jump in, because I've, I've gone five or six minutes here. Yeah, well, I just didn't want you to move on to the next part until, uh, until I talked a little bit about, you know, some of the differences uh, in, in the way that you did it. So um, I knew the apps that you used, and, and you sent me the lesson plan, but I don't like to use a lesson plan. No, I want to explore myself. So we sort of, uh, we, I knew what I wanted to do, because I had watched you do it. Um, but we didn't actually follow all the same steps. So it's very interesting to hear, uh, how you got to your final result versus how we got to our final result. So m- much of it was the same, but I think that your brush where you eliminated the, the image outside of the, the profile picture of the student, um, we, we did that a little bit differently. So we increased the exposure of the picture way up, um, almost till it's, it's super white. And then, um, we, d- we ran the brush over it. And in some, 
some instances, we had to run the brush over it twice. So save it and then run the brush over it again. So maybe we're talking about the same thing, or maybe it's something completely different, but that's how we got rid of that, uh, the rest of the picture, just so the superimposed picture only shows on the student. And uh, Che has shared lots of great uh, examples of this on his Twitter, if anybody wants to see, and we'll definitely post some more with the episode as well, so that you're able to see sort of what it looks like. Um, but, uh, but that's, that's, you know, I came, we got to the same result. We didn't have as much time to play around with the editing because we did only have the one day to start and finish this task. And so it was really important that we were a little bit limited on time, but I really like the way that, um, you know, we got to a similar result, kind of put our different touches and our different spins on it, which everyone would do because this is not like a you know, follow every step as it is um, sort of situation, nor should it be. And uh, and we got to a, a very, very similar result. And, and I and I like the way that it turned out, even though you followed a little bit of a different path than we did. But the name what? You did not follow it step no. by step? No. Would you follow a lesson plan that I sent you? <laughs> Okay. Be careful with that one. Tick-tock, 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 <laughs> tick-tock. Okay, uh, but that's not the point. The point is me right now. I am centering myself. Sure. I provide this wonderful lesson that I typed up for the first time in seven years. I type up a lesson. Yeah. And then you immediately tell me, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't use it. I didn't actually follow it. It's a nice little guideline. I, like, I, I, I read the, the heading, double exposure, and then I went from there. And I went into it when I didn't know what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> You only asked me one time to send you a transparency of a, of a poppy. That's it. That's the only. That's, that's the it. only thing I asked you for. Everything else, I got it. And this is why I am six percent <laughs> of the staff room podcast. Um, a little bit detailed of what we did. I don't know. We really, really had an episode where we're so detailed on one particular skill. Yeah. But the two stories we had, the two impacts we had, um, both from our administrators, other staff, and just, you talked about the joy of your students, and I knew my students were so proud of having done something that a week ago, they would have looked at one of those pictures and said, whoa, and now they look at the same picture and go, whoa, I did, I did that. that. Yeah. And it was just magnificent, and then it sort of, it backpedaled to this episode, was that we were able to create something really great in the arts, bring it cross-curricular, attach it to culturally responsive teaching, attach it to SEL, and our students are walking away with a skill set, a creative skill set, a creation ability that they're going to be able to duplicate again, use again, and just have these wonderful moments. So I think we can, you know, maybe like kind of like, um, like, like, um, um, like, um, kind of like, um, um, go to a three enlightened minutes and then wrap this up. <laughs> I was waiting for you that, to get to the point this there. This <laughs> is how I sound when I'm teaching science. Yes. Uh, because that pause is a chance for someone to question me and I simply won't know anything about cells. Right. So moving back to the three and light minutes, actually, this is a great time for our three and light minutes because our three and light minutes guest is somebody who helped us with part two of the activity. Um, I know that you used a different app that I did, but uh, I couldn't have done this without uh, our three and light minutes guest because he taught us how to do it. Uh, our guest is, in fact, Brian Carpenter, and he is from Abbotsford, British Columbia, and he is a middle and secondary school teacher who is going to be talking a little bit more about balance, balancing his life as a teacher with his passion projects. So here is Brian Carpenter with our three enlightened minutes. 
Hi there, my name is Brian Carpenter and I'm here to share my three enlightened minutes. I am a teacher in the Abbotsford, BC School District, which is just east of Vancouver, BC, Canada. I've been teaching public education for 12 years at the middle and secondary levels, both online and face-to-face, and have enjoyed almost every minute of it. My thoughts for these three enlightened minutes will be around understanding how I balance my life as well as my passion for digital content creation. On balancing my life. It was about three summers ago that I heard the co-author, Sarah Johnson, of a book called Balance Like a Pirate, as she interviewed on Teachers on Fire podcast episode 34 with Tim Cavey. She talked about how she came to understand that the authors needed to write a book about um, more work-life balance. I was struggling with work-life balance and thought it was simply a matter of two things. But Balance Like a Pirate dug into how life is more than just a teeter-totter balancing act between work and life. It's about understanding four quadrants of your life that include your positional self, professional self, personal self, and passion self. It's not quite possible to have equal representation from each of these four quadrants at every moment of every day, but understanding how they relate to one another and affect your daily work and well-being is important. Reading from page five of Balance Like a Pirate, the key to thriving through the elusiveness of balance is to incessantly seek it, recalibrate often, intentionally focus on all aspects of your full life and never give up. I came to the realization that I had to do more than just read their book, but I needed to apply the book as well. Part of this manifestation for me uh, is getting up in the morning, early in the morning, around 5 a.m., and getting out for my morning walk that I call at Fresh Air at 5. I get up early, get out the door, and walk around my neighborhood, typically in the dark, listening to educational podcasts. And before I'm done, I reflect in one manner or another on Twitter to share my learning that I have done. As I listen to podcasts, I am feeding my professional and positional self while taking care of my personal self as I get some exercise. It's important for us as educators to be all that we can be and be present for our students. Living out of balance or, or the realization that we are off balance can often have detrimental effects. I want to be an educator for a long time to come. I would encourage you to consider how you are thriving in your life and not just surviving. If you've seemed to be out of balance, take a read of Balance Like a Pirate by Sarah Johnson, Jessica Kabeen, and Jessica Johnson, as they have some great stories about getting off track and getting back on track. Be aware that the four parts of your life are like a Venn diagram where there is much overlap. How does this fit into the passion that I have for creativity? It is my positional and professional self as I look to myself as a creative person. Well, actually, that would fit into the personal and passion boxes as well. See, there's much overlap going on. About being a creative person, I am not a fine artist or a musician or a dancer, but I am capable of creating with graphic arts. I enjoy working with digital media and creating content that I share with others. I teach media design 10 and 11 at my school, which looks at how we can use design media through the understanding of the design process and how to use some entry-level tools to get the job done. 
I'm all about free tools in my space because if I can teach my students how to use free tools in school, they can carry on content creating beyond school. One of these tools that I use on a regular basis is Adobe Spark, which is an entry-level creative platform by the software giant Adobe. I also very much enjoy creating videos that I share with my family um, as we go on outings and vacations so that I can remember them but also share them with others on Facebook and social media. I use my iPhone as my primary content creation tool as it's in my hand and has a camera and built-in mic. Super fun to be able to create graphic arts for school, home, and play. Have you explored this simple creation tool of Adobe Spark? If not, I would encourage you to take a look. My passion for creativity personally affects how I teach my students about creativity. I bring that part of me into my daily routine with my students. To wrap up, these days as educators are very challenging and demanding. In the midst of the global pandemic we are all in, we're being forced into spaces that we might not be comfortable in, but we need to respond as the warriors that we are. This is all the more reason why we need to understand how we can balance like a pirate and create content in our spaces. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but ignoring the imbalance won't serve you, your family, and your students very well into the future. Thanks, Shay and Pav, for having me share with you my three enlightened minutes on the Staff Room Podcast. Thank you, Brian, for that great three enlightened minutes. And this is my fresh air at 10.30 p.m. on a Friday night, recording the latest episode of the Staff Room Podcast. I don't know if I could get myself up at 5.30 to to do those kind of walks. I found it tough to get up at 7 to run, and then I would get up at 7 and run at (laughs) 9. You're right. Like, we've we've just sort of come to get to know Brian recently, and then we were talking quickly about Adobe, and this is just, just what great teachers do once we sort of suggested that we were interested and you know give us a little bit give us a little tip but you don't want to put it on people like teach me how to do it we got this amazing uh one-on-one ratio tutorial just step by step on how to use the adobe and you dove right in and i have you know right behind i wait for you to give me a lesson plan to which i will follow um you will or you won't follow well, I'll read, the, I'll read the headline, Working with Adobe with Pav Wander. I got it. <laughs> got it. I'll build it from here. You figured it out. <laughs> um, so this episode has been very specific for us, a little a little different. But mm-hmm. like, I, like I said before, uh, Brian, cut me off. There's three enlightened minutes. Um, <laughs> was that this, we had such a great positive experience. And it was such a wonderful way to take sort of uh, integrated arts and really going cross-curricular and beyond cross-curricular, really... Uh, using it to tap into the social emotional learning within the curriculum embedded in the curriculum culturally responsive teaching giving our students not even us us necessarily us giving to them stuff for us to give but our students came away with this new ability to create and then there was one more element that we add onto this task is that when we were going through the task I sort of at the end I said what you want to be able to do when you're over is not show off your art I said you want to be able to speak on this so if someone asks you why have you used this picture? You can articulate it. You have that story. And then I added on, I said, let's have a little poignant quote, uh, perhaps a poem that you write, but something that is, 
again, personal to the story. Can you bring it back? And you know, when we talked about that story that the the student talked about his parents fleeing a civil war to come to Canada, it was embedded in the text. And the text wasn't just stamped on like Time New Roman Font 12. We use this app called Over, which has a free version, also has an upgraded paid version, but it has a base free version that gives you all kinds of a, a freedom and a creative palette to write text, to to alter text, to add color to text, to bend and curve text. And so the students then found a relevant statement and then used their artistic flair to embed that text in their picture. And some used sort of an arc, some used totally circular, some used on the bottom. Others used color-coded to match their flag uh, of where they were from. And so the students, once they had established this great photo and this magnificent artistry then we just added on that little bit of a written element and we use that app over to embed that text right onto the picture and thus at the end the student said it's not for you to show your picture it's for you this is a way of answering a prompt if someone were to prompt you and say tell me about your picture you can articulate and respond using your text using your quote using your picture as your means to tell your story yeah, indeed. Absolutely. And we, we had much of the same result. We took a little bit of a different means to get there. Uh, Brian was kind enough, as you mentioned, to give us a tutorial on how to use Adobe Spark. And uh, so we actually tested to see if we had access as students to Adobe Spark. Now, Brian had mentioned that you have to be 13 and over. My students are not yet 13, but we thought, you know, it gives you all of these different options to sign in. Let's sign in with our Google accounts, our school-based accounts, and see if it works. And lo and behold, it worked. We were able to get into Adobe Spark and it really opened up uh, so many different um, templates and ways to include fonts and colors and banners and all kinds of stuff. And so because we had this task uh, to complete, I wasn't able to really give them a free time to explore, really. We wanted to explore some of the fonts. We wanted to learn how to embed images onto your picture. And so we were, we were a little bit focused in that regard. But the students were able to explore the font section and figure out, you know, how to adjust opacity of the fonts and select different fonts and choose a particular banner if you wanted to uh, put your font in there, something a little bit more stylized. Um, And so we explored that a little bit and we were so grateful, you know, I was so grateful to Brian for teaching us how to do this because it just made everything so much easier. We wouldn't have had access to over. So, you know, without this, um, I think that we would have used uh, Canvas or Canva, which I was actually over the summer, I had set up my class to use uh, Canva. So that was an option as well. Um, But there are now, especially now with uh, so much more virtual learning happening, um, so many great digital photography editing apps that are out there, um, graphic design apps that are out there for students to uh, dabble with and really learn how to refine their skills. Um, 
And as you mentioned several times during this episode, this is absolutely a skill that students will be using again and again and again in the future. So the earlier they can be exposed to it, the, you know, the easier it will become as they get older and the more they can use this, uh, these graphic design methods in, in the work that they're doing and even in their passion projects, right? So jumping back into that creative side, if we've got so many artists in our classrooms and just having this additional tool to be be able to play with and you know snapseed in terms of editing your photos which so many of our students are already so keen to do anyway um, and then on top of that being able to embed all sorts of other things um, you know our next task that we're going to work on is something that Brian actually recommended as students working on logos for themselves and this is something that I told my students will do one day uh, soon and so you know spending some time working on a logo learning what a logo is and the elements of a logo. And then, you know, rather than writing their names on tasks, just drop your logo on there and I know who it belongs to. So I'm really excited to work on that and, um, you know, just playing around with this graphic design thing, because not only is it fun, it's super useful as, as kids get older. I mean, these are things that they're going to be using time and time again. So why not jump into it as early as possible? And so if you would like Brian to give you a one-on-one course, <laughs> please don't contact Brian directly. Contact us. And for $79,999.95 with four direct easy installment payments, three to Pav and one to me, we'll set you up with a video recording of the one-on-one session we did with Brian. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I don't even know what that amount was that you came to, but... Uh, hey, Jim Guy just knows one thing. Hey, up to 25 doing a volleyball game. That's it. That's all you need to know. Um, you talk, I wanted to get to the swag bag and... And, you know, I'm, the, the producer's telling me we're almost out of time. But you talked there about play exploration. And this seems to be a theme that comes across any curriculum. And when you're, we did this assignment, we sort of went through sort of our step-by-step. But with every step was also a lot of just play time, explore time. The student just didn't create this magnificent photo in in one session following step-by-step. Multiple photos, some fun, dropping some different pictures, exploring with the ex- with the double exposure, taking multiple pictures, having to redo pictures. That does need some time. You talked about you did it for a day. I probably did it for two or three straight days where I'm sure a parent could go, didn't you just do art for three days? I would have loved to have that opportunity, to be honest with you, but we were a little bit limited. I just wanted to put that out there. I would have played for two or three days as well. That sounded like a comparative tweet to me. (laughs) Many of those out there. (laughs) And so um, when you talked, when you said exploration, this is play, it's exploration, it's creation. And I think as this comes to sort of setting us up for the swag bag in the end of this episode, is this idea that integrated arts, they're not, they're not compartmentalized. Mm -hmm. We can really integrate them. And so our swag bag as we're wrapping up this wonderful episode of the Staff Room Podcast is really this digital photography lesson really tapped into social, social emotional learning embedded in the curriculum. That's right. Culturally relevant, culturally responsive teaching because we're able to identify and students are able to share their stories. It's, it's, these apps are fantastic. Snapseed, free app available, Android, iPod, uh, iPhone, uh, Chromebook. You can get access to it anywhere. Yeah. An app like Over is available on your phones. It's available on your Chromebooks. 
Uh, we had the Adobe Sparks that you can get access to. Right. So when we talk about our swag bag, we talk about integrated arts. It taps into SEL, culturally responsive teaching. It gives our students a place to build and create. And we have apps that we can tap into, Snapseed, Over, Adobe. And then we can go and we can create from there. That's right. So that's our episode for today. We hope you enjoyed it. Can we elevate our integrated arts with limited access to technology? I had a great conversation. I hope you did too, Che. And the answer to that question is yes. So let's skip the first 45 minutes. (laughs) That's right. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us on the Staff Room Podcast. And we are Codebreaker Ambassadors. If you're looking for a place to drop a store and drop a book idea, Codebreaker is a place to be. That's right. And we are also part of the Teach Better Team podcast network. So you can check out our podcast, the Staff Room Podcast there, as well as... 11 other amazing podcasts for you to listen to as well. You can also find us with Voicehead Radio and our live drive radio show Sunday evenings on Voicehead Radio, where we integrate some teacher talk with some lovely music and just have a real good nostalgic time around the radio. And last but definitely not least, we are associated with School Rubric, and we have a bi-weekly show that is called Educators Without Borders, Office Hours with Che and Pav, and this airs on Tuesdays at 8 every other Tuesday, so please do check us out. That is a live program that happens uh, on Twitter, Periscope, um, Facebook, on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, YouTube, LinkedIn oh, all over the place. Boy, remember when Che and Pav were nobodies? Well, we're still nobodies. We're just all over the place, but no That's nobodies. right. We're nobodies all over the place. Thank you for checking out the Staff Room Podcast with Che and Pav, episode 61. <laughs>